This is the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Blanc, episode number 84. All right, you ready to do this? You're listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast, where we'll talk about all aspects of buying apartment buildings with a special focus on raising money from others. And now, your host, Michael Blanc. Hey guys, welcome to the show today. Today I want to introduce you to Tamar Marr. Now on the one hand, she's not very special. She's a bomb. She had a job, but what's very special about her is that she decided that she wanted a different life and she decided to change it with real estate. Now, as many people do, we think single family houses and we do that for a period of time like she did. Then she goes, scratch her head going, man, this is going to take too long for me to get to where I want to go. And she decided to do multifamily, but she had a problem, which is she didn't have the money for multifamily and then she discovered she could raise it. So I wanted her to share with you her story from decision to fears to overcoming challenges and closing on her first deal. And once again, the law of the first deal is in action because she's now pursuing, she's already got a second one on her contract and she's pursuing much bigger deals. But I wanted to share with you the journey from sitting in a place today going, I want to change my life to basically quitting your job. So without further ado, let's get into the interview with Tamar. Hey, Tamar, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Good. Just give us a little introduction to yourself. Absolutely. First and foremost, I consider myself an adventurer at heart, and that really goes through to every area of my life. I'm an adventurer when it comes to travel and doing outdoorsy stuff and a skydiving or doing sports and just doing fun things with my family. And being an adventurer also translates into business for me. For the last 20 years or so, I have been in small business and the startup arena. So more specifically, about the last five years leading up to the end of last year, I was an operations executive in the startup space. And I love startup culture. It's so much fun to me. And I have grown a ton through that space, specifically in two different companies that I've been with that have really transformed my life. And there was a point where I realized I would love to be transforming my life with my own businesses instead of working with other people's companies. And so now I really consider myself a business opportunist. So I'm always looking for opportunities to accelerate our returns of investments. And we invest both in business and in real estate. And in fact, earlier this year, though we had invested in other businesses previously, we decided to purchase a company with my business partner, my cousin Adam, earlier this year in February. It's a high-end specialty fitness equipment retailer here in Bellevue, Washington. So we have that. I do more of the strategy and the finance for that company while he does the day-to-day operations. And then we also have building out our real estate portfolio as well. So this year, I moved into the syndication space for real estate. That's exciting. We definitely want to learn more about that. So let's back up a little bit here. When did you and why did you get started with real estate in the first place? Ah, well, my very first real estate purchase when I was 19 years old, believe it or not, I was a sophomore in college and I purchased a townhouse and I do not know what got into me, but really I've been super hyper responsible since I was about four years old and everybody has (laughs) always told me that. So I purchased my first house when I was 19, and for the past 15 years, we've had some rental properties. However, it was in the summer of 2014 where... 
something clicked for me. And what that something was, was that I was working full time and I was with a company that I absolutely adored. I had helped grow that business, but I wasn't really in tune with the vision of the company, specifically what we were doing. We were in the financial services industry, doing regulatory solutions in the world's largest financial institutions. And the subject matter wasn't always super exciting to me. So I was camping with my husband and family and I said, you know, I've realized that in order for me to be fully happy professionally, I need to have my own business. And so my husband and I were talking and he said, what do you think? And he threw out about 50 different ideas, which he's so good at, and none of them really resonated. And then we started talking about real estate. And I had just finished reading or was starting to read at that time. It was right around that time, The Millionaire Real Estate Investor. And so I realized, you know what? I think I can do this. I'm going to start creating a portfolio of real estate that our family can live off of. And so that's kind of where the wheels started turning. So that's when we started ramping up our investment game. So first of all, so you involved your husband in this, which is interesting. Now, you said you were with a company you really adored. What was the problem you're trying to solve? I think that there wasn't necessarily a problem that I was trying to solve. It was more that when you have two very entrepreneurial spirits that are together running a business, it can be hard to live up to another's expectations and you can never quite fully pursue all the dreams that you have as an individual when you're working for somebody else. And so I knew that I wanted to be in charge of my own destiny by creating a business where the sky was the limit and I could go after it in any way and for whatever duration that I wanted. So when you talked about with your husband at the point, did you ever talk about him quitting his job at uh, one point? Well, yes. I mean, we both have spoken quite a bit about us quitting our jobs through replacing our income with real estate specifically. Mm. But at that time, it was not really, I think it was a really far-fetched dream at that point because we didn't really know what was possible. Right. Yeah, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. So you're thinking real estate, this is great. I can be my own boss. And yes. what real estate strategy were you pursuing or did you start to pursue at the time? Absolutely. So about two months later, I started getting my real estate license. And that was not because I wanted to help clients, but because I was a busy working mom and I needed to have access to any of the houses that we were going to go after, etc. And so we started purchasing houses on auction, sight unseen through Home Search at the time, which is now Zoom, then turning them into rentals. So we were basically just looking for the best deals possible. And in the Seattle market, you can't find anything on the MLS. Even back in 2014, it was almost impossible to find something on the MLS that would be a feasible rental property potential. Right. So you started doing some single family houses and then what? And then we did that for about three years and we pursued many different houses on auction. For the last couple of years, I've been hearing about this word syndication and I was so curious to find out more information about it. And the more I learned about it, the more that I realized, huh, that's really just like taking all of my operational expertise from small business and applying it toward an asset, which is an apartment, which is a small business in and of itself. And so earlier this year, I decided to move into the multifamily space and specifically with syndication. I didn't think it was going to be that hard. And honestly, it hasn't been that hard. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Most people think it's very hard and then they find it's not that hard. Yes. It seems really intimidating, I think, to a lot of people. Wouldn't you agree? I would. Why would you say that? 
Well, I think about some of the rules and regulations that are around the SEC, and that can be intimidating if people aren't used to working with attorneys. That's probably the biggest portion. And then also just raising the amount of funds. If you're going from single family houses to multifamily, or if you haven't done real estate at all and you're going into syndication with multifamily, that's a big step to come up with all of the funds for that. And so raising capital, I think, can also be very intimidating for individuals. Yeah, it can be. Yeah. Now, you started thinking multifamily syndication, but mm-hmm. why not continue pursuing the strategy you were on already for the prior three years? <laughs> I think you know the answer to this, but I'll tell you my story. <laughs> It was basically because I didn't think that we could scale up as fast as we wanted to. My goal is to have 250000 in passive net income annually. And in order to achieve that with single family houses, as you know, it could take anywhere from 100 to 250 doors to do that. Whereas That's if right. Now, where did that number come from tomorrow? That's kind of a big number. It's very round. Mm. Why that number? The passive income number? Yeah. I think partly because I have giant dreams and I want to be able to live a lifestyle that's pretty outrageous. And when I say outrageous, Mm. I mean being able to travel when we want, just experiential living and also not feeling like it's tight. And I just like going after big numbers, to be honest. (laughs) I think it's kind of fun to go after big numbers. Good for you. You said 250,000 it is. And you're like, man, it's going to take me a long time to get there with these single family houses. Yes. Yes. So this multifamily syndication idea popped in your head. So what did you do to kind of go after that? Yeah. I had been listening to Bigger Pockets for years and I hadn't been paying a lot of attention to multifamily. And so I started reading a lot of the forums on multifamily. And that's actually where I found out about you, Michael. And I purchased your syndicated deal analyzer. That was one of the very first things that I did. And then I just started going on LoopNet and analyzing deals like crazy. And this was probably in May of this year. I was analyzing... I don't know, five or 10 deals a week. And then I found one that came across LoopNet. I couldn't believe it. And the numbers just looked amazing. And I ran it by my broker friend who I had just met uh, about a month earlier. And he's like, wow, this is a really good deal. But also to add to that, I started networking like crazy as well. So I joined four or five different investing clubs in the Seattle area, talking to people as much as possible about what they were doing, and then meeting brokers and lenders and property managers and all basically trying to build out the team that I would need to be successful. That's good because you were looking in the Seattle area at the time. Yes, that's true. Actually, Seattle is very tricky because not only are the renters' laws very liberal, so it's not friendly to landlords. In addition, the returns are not good in Seattle. It's just too competitive. And so I was looking for North Sound, South Sound, about an hour on either side, north or south of Seattle, and then Eastern Washington as well. And Eastern Washington is where I'm pursuing a lot of my efforts currently. Gotcha. So you came across this kind of an odd looking deal on LoopNet. Then what happened? Yeah. Unbelievably. I just couldn't believe it. I was so excited. We put in an offer and we are one of five offers on the deal. And I knew how the market was in Spokane. It's quite a bit different than in Seattle, but it's still competitive. And we put in a bid that was higher with very few contingencies. And we got our first deal on our very first offer. (laughs) You beat out four other offers. I did. I couldn't believe it. Wow. Were you scared putting in an offer? Well, here's the thing. (laughs) 
I remember driving down the freeway and I was talking to my broker and he's like, well, I just found out a little bit more. There's already four other offers in. I said, oh, okay, well, let's not bother then because I hadn't even started speaking with investors yet. I thought that I wasn't going to start pursuing multifamily investing really until September. And the reason why was because one of the single family houses that we had just purchased, we were going to refinance it in August or September. So it would free up some funds for us at that time. So here I was in May and I wasn't going to start until I was in September. And I thought, okay, well, nope, I'm just going to go after it. Yes, let's put in an offer because I always believe that if you take action and something happens, you just have to figure out how to get to that place to make it successful. So we did it anyways. And yeah, it was a little bit scary, but I felt good about it. So you got your offer accepted. You're like biting your nails. Did you have the money for this thing on the equity side? Did you have to raise it? What? How did you deal with that? Yeah, we didn't have the money for it, Michael. <laughs> Man, we definitely that, had to raise that it. That is crazy. <laughs> so um, what'd you do? First of all, well, how many units was it? How much money did you need yep. to raise? Yeah. So it was a 15-unit complex and they all right. were all two ones. We're going to raise 325000 and the purchase price on that one was eight twenty-five. And we ended up putting in some more capital raise in there for reserves to do some maintenance on the property because I knew that all the units needed to be turned and there was a lot of deferred maintenance. Wow. Okay. So now what? Now the clock's ticking. So yes. how'd you go about raising money? Did you raise the money? Talk, talk oh, yeah. about that. Oh yeah, we did. Yep. <laughs> so we reached out to friends and family. My husband sent out some emails to some of his buddies and we did have a couple of friends that invested. And then I just reached out to a lot of my networking groups and started meeting people and telling them what I was doing. And so I'd say we had, I think, six or seven investors in the deal. Four of them were people that we knew and had existing relationships for quite some time with. And two of them were new relationships that I made with other like-minded investors who had been wanting to move into multifamily, but just hadn't taken that step yet on their own. Now, normally I would advise that you do all the stuff before you make an offer tomorrow, right? You, yes. you know that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, now yeah. You like it a little more, a little more exciting and that's, that's fine. So good for you. Yes. Yeah. So you got this thing on a contract. Did you create a deal package and then start taking that out to people? Yes, we did. So we used an SEC attorney on the East Coast and he put together the private placement memorandum for us as well as all of the operating documents, et cetera, for the LLC. That's fantastic. You started yeah. going to your network. You said, hey, here's this pretty good looking deal. And they're like, this is great. And then you got them to sign the documents and wire the money. Yes. Yeah. And that was nerve wracking. I will say the latter part of that was very nerve wracking. Yeah, you're very me, calm you always... about the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've been through it and others as well. And it's it's very stressful when you do it like you have. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it mostly because I had heard all the stories of, oh, investors have backed out at the last minute. And we did actually have a scenario where two partners were forming an LLC to invest in the property. Right. And one of them had some family emergencies came up and just kind of went MIA last minute. And so we had to figure out some difficult scenarios. And then some of the wiring was down to the last minute as well. But I just had confidence that the whole thing was going to work out because we were already on the right path. Yes, it was meant to be. Well, that's fantastic. And so what's been going on with the project since then? Is it going okay? Is it Yes, it's going great. We secured a property manager over in Spokane in Eastern Washington, and he's been phenomenal. We were actually thinking, see, the, the rents in that property were over $300 a door under market at the wow. time. 
Yes, there was considerable upside. And so we decided to go in there and renovate all of the units and increase the rents to market rate. Well, the worst case scenario we thought would be that five units would go vacant when we increase the rents. And at first, that's all that happened. And then the next month, two people skipped out without us knowing. And then the next month, two more people skipped out. <laughs> and so yeah. we ended up we're renovating nine out of the 15 units and we're just wrapping up that project and they're looking phenomenal. It's a C-class property, so we're not doing anything out of this world, but fresh paint, some vinyl plank flooring, refacing of cabinets, just a little bit of sprucing up to make it seem a little bit more modern and nicer living conditions for our tenants. That's fantastic. What's your exit scenario for this building? I'm a long-term hold investor. So when I'm modeling out the multifamily properties, I'm looking at usually about a 10-year hold with a refinance, if possible, around year two or three. Okay, so you are looking to do a refinance in year two or three. Yeah. Do you already know how much based on your projection, what percent of the investor's capital you're returning if you do that? Yes, I do. And that's something I was able to figure out through the SDA. We'll probably be able to return between 70 and 80% of the original capital, if not more. It's a great refinance. It's a great refinance. So, so. Yeah, one of my favorite strategies is exactly what you're doing now because the investors sometimes have a hard time committing their money for 10 years. And we'd love yeah. to, of course, hold on to it forever. So we got to figure out a way to get the majority of their money back so they're off our backs. And so this is a great way to great way to do that. Yes. And two, three years, you can refinance and return the capital. And they're going to say, this is great, Tamar. What else you got? I right? know. They're already saying that to me. <laughs> And you know what? They're going to blab to all their friends about it. Yeah. And now we're into the law of the first deal, yes. which means that you're going to start attracting capital and deals like a magnet. Yes, it's already happening, Michael. It's so exciting. What's happening? Well, in August, I knew that I wanted to start looking again in September because August is our family play month to go on our road trip. So in September, I wanted to start looking again. And sure enough, at the end of August, one of my brokers came to me and said he had an off-market 23-unit deal and an off-market 26 unit deal that we started pursuing. The 23 unit deal we were looking at quite a bit and it was such a long process because it was through a wholesaler and the seller came back and said, oh no, I agree to it. But then he said he wanted a hundred thousand more dollars. And I said, no go. I backed out because I knew it wasn't going to be great returns for my investors. And so he took about three weeks and came back to us and basically we had called his bluff, which was he didn't have another buyer and he'll give it to us for just $25,000 more. And I said, no, original deal or nothing. And so then we continued to pursue that deal. And just Friday, I terminated that contract because some new information came out in the due diligence phase that made it an unfavorable investment. Specifically, they hadn't disclosed previously that they were paying for all of the electricity. And I hadn't built that into my model. And that was an additional $25,000 or more annually of expense. That's a lot. It's huge. So in the meantime- yeah, The seller sounds like a real piece was, of work. It was interesting and it still is, but I'm so glad because I think it was a great lesson for me in knowing when to draw the line and walk because- for me, it's not an emotional thing. It's more of a numbers game and how we can make it work as a business. So You're quite the mature investor because a lot of new time investors have happy ears on uh -huh. because we're all trying to do the deal, right? Yeah. So we're just, we're just so eager to do a deal and I see that frequently and you're just kind of chill. You're like, well, because now you're not a newbie anymore. Now you're like, ah, I can, <laughs> I've done this, you know? 
I can be a little more relaxed, but good for you from walking on a deal, especially after you spend so much time on it. Yeah, That's pretty cool. What else are you looking at? So during that phase of trying to figure out if that wholesale deal was going to go through or not, I was getting sick of waiting for somebody else. So I decided to take more action. And I had made a trip to Eastern Washington to just do some networking, check in on my property over there and met with some brokers and property managers. And when I came back a couple of weeks later, one of the brokers who's probably sells about 75% of the multifamily in that area, he contacted me and said he had something that was just hitting the market. And I jumped on it right away. It was a phenomenal deal. It's on two acres. It's 16 units. And it's the same sort of scenario as my other property where the rents are about 250 under market per door. There's opportunity to develop the land. It's now zoned light industrial instead of residential. And one of the buildings had burned down actually a couple of years ago, which is why I think the current owners want out because they took their insurance money and ran. Well, we have the opportunity on that one to rebuild the four units that burnt to the ground. And then all the rest of the two acres will be able to redevelop in other ways, maybe through self-storage or RV and boat storage or something like that. So I'm super excited about that. Anyways, so we were one of, I think, four offers on that as well. And we knew how to bid since we had been bidding in that market. And we won that deal. So we're actually, I'm heading out there tomorrow to do the walkthrough and the inspection and complete the due diligence phase. But I'm feeling really good about that project. Deal magnet. I hope everybody's listening here. Deal magnet. You, know, listen, you almost have to expend energy not to track that second deal. It's yeah. it's a darnest thing. Yeah. But another key lesson is that one of the reasons the law of the first deal works so much is because you establish a track record and where it gets yes. around. Yep. And that's why this broker called you up and said, hey, you know, I'm about to list this property. When you check it out, here are the P&L rent roll. Yep. And that would not have happened early on, right? You're, no. you're, you're Sometimes you struggle getting a broker to, get, to call you back. Yes. And now the brokers are calling you because now they know that you've closed the deal. Yeah, it's true. It's very true. I mean, even just having one bigger deal. And that's what one, my mortgage broker says to me as well. He's like, oh my gosh, tomorrow it's going to be so much easier for you to get money now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's funny. It's like when you probably started this thing, I know you, you were started with $250,000 passive income, right? Yeah. But, you know, when you get your first deal like that and you see what's happening behind it, it doesn't it just shift your perspective on it? But yeah. you're probably reevaluating your goals right now. Yeah, I I do have pretty massive goals next year. Well, at least from my perspective, although I think they're actually quite conservative. Next year in 2018, I would like to acquire 100 units and then up that by 50 units each of the following few years. So I'd like to have- Yeah, let me get this straight. So. This one you have on a contract was how many units? 16. Once this one closes, I will have gone from three to 33 units in about six months. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So your third deal, if this one goes through, is probably going to be around 50 to 75 units. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I'm open for anything. That's, that's very exciting. Yeah. That's very exciting. So let's rewind just a little bit here. I mean, so you've done a bunch of stuff. Was there any kind of major aha moment that you can remember that really made a difference to you? Before or after I started the multifamily? Either or, okay. frankly, either or. <laughs> Share. Aha moments are fantastic. Yeah. I think I already mentioned it. Maybe not. But my big aha moment was Christmas week last year where I was in talks with another company to be the CEO of their company and to move back east. And I just had this moment where I realized, no, I'm not going to be the CEO of somebody else's dreams. I'm going to be the CEO of my own dreams. And I declared that day that I was never going to be an employee again. And for some reason, it just kicked up something in me that like 
sparked my creativity. And I feel like I'm not a super creative person. I'm very left brain and logical. But for some reason, it just sparked the creativity in me and I let it fly. And I've been having so much fun with that because it's allowing me to see opportunities in a different way than I ever had before. Because I know that I am responsible for my own success now. I'm not piggybacking on somebody else. If that makes sense. You know, what's interesting, what you about said is you remember the exact moment yes. when you had this aha moment. Yeah. So it's one of those things where you can trace a lot of things in life to a very specific moment where someone has decided something. Yeah. Some people need trauma or some kind of failure or some kind of major life event to get to that. Mm -hmm. And you're like, nah, I'm done with that. Here's what I want to do next. <laughs> and then you've decided to be the CEO of your own dreams. Yes. And there it is. There it so is. that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. And it was So if you had a chance Oh, it was just going back to that moment in the summer of 2014 where I had said, you know, in order for me to be truly happy professionally, I need to have my own business. And so I was finally at that point where I was ready to make it happen in a big way. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Now, if you could travel back in time to a younger version of yourself, <laughs> at what point would you travel back and what would you tell yourself? <sighs> I was thinking about this question earlier today, and I'm one of those people that doesn't oh, have- darn it. I was trying to stump you. <laughs> I, I don't have many regrets, if any, in life. And I always feel like I've gone after everything with wild abandon that I've ever really wanted in life. But I think the one thing that I would do is probably hit myself up around my late teens and just tell myself to start dreaming way bigger and focusing on those dreams a lot more because it makes such a huge difference. I write down every day all of my life goals in my journal. I notice when I haven't done it for a couple of days because I can just feel it in myself. But the more that I focus on those, the more I learn and grow and see opportunities that I wouldn't have seen before. And so I would tell myself that, just dream bigger earlier in life. Uh, I love that. Yeah. You've decided that you want to be the CEO of your own dreams and you yeah. took massive action, right? Yeah. So, which is great. But now, if you could sit down with someone who goes, Tamar, I can't believe what you've done. I want to do the same exact thing. Yes. What, what would you tell them? Okay. So, there's two things that are extremely important to me. One of them is pursuing education and always, always pursuing new knowledge and following in the footsteps of people that have been successful in the path that you would like to go. That is one thing. And the other thing is just taking massive stinking action every day. And even if it's massive action to one person might even feel like, okay, well, I'm going to read one article a day. Well, that's more than you were doing before. Or it could be, I'm going to spend 10 hours a week networking, or I'm going to spend maybe do 10 deal analysis a week. I think that's different to everybody with the massive action. But the whole point is to start consistently taking micro steps towards where you want to go. I think micro steps, that's a good point because yeah. I've seen it now working with coaching students, some of which have fears to overcome and the way to overcome those is with action. Yes. Even if, like you said, minute action, yes. just pushing them a little further, a little further. Can you do that? Oh, I can do that. Do that. You know, yes. And just continuous action will push them beyond their comfort zone. Yeah, I agree. Great advice. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. So what are you most excited about right now? Sure. I am most excited. Well, at the moment, I'm going to Hawaii in 10 days. So I'm pretty excited about that's that. <laughs> Very exciting. I'll be boogie boarding soon. Regarding business, I'm super pumped about building out my multifamily investing. And I just feel like I'm really doing the right thing at the right time in my life there. So seeing more deals come my way. Additionally, I'm super excited because I'm starting a podcast this fall and it's called Investing for Life. It's about entrepreneurship, investing, and intentional lifestyle design. 
So I'm just gearing up to get that taken care of, all the technical stuff that I have to figure out. But otherwise, I have a bunch of guests lined up and I'm, I'm ready to share some inspiration with others. Fantastic. You're already starting to give back. I love it. I love it. Yes. How can people connect with you tomorrow? Sure. They can reach me at my email, which is tamar.mar at marotagroup.com, M-A-R-O-T-A group. That would be the best way to get a hold of me. Awesome. I really appreciate you sharing your story. And I got to tell you, once you replace your collective income, we'll have to have you back on the show. I would be glad to. Awesome. Thank you so much. Okay. Thanks, Michael. All right, guys. Several key takeaways from today. Number one is you have to decide. It's got to be so clear in your mind that you want to change your life. You should be able to remember the exact moment in time when you decide to change your life. It's that fundamental. I see it over and over again. I see it with people who take action and things start happening. You can always trace it back to a time where they decided that enough is enough. And the people who don't take action and things don't happen are the ones where their current life actually ain't so bad. So really think about what your goals are and, and how unacceptable your current life is really focus hard on deciding. And this requires a lot of introspection. I think uh, Tamar even used the word intentional. It requires being very intentional about what you want in life and then deciding that that's what you want. That's very, very important. And from that, you have no choice but to naturally take action from that point. And the second key takeaway, guys, is the law of the first deal. Listen, you gotta, you would have to go out of your way not to do your second and third deal after having done your first and you are just becoming a deal and money magnet after that point. So really focus on your first deal. And the key to that is, of course, raising money. So if you haven't done so already, make sure you grab my free ebook. It's called The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your First Apartment Building. And it's at themichaelblank.com, T-H-E, Michael, B-L-A-N-K.com forward slash ebook. You can also get it via text message by texting the word secret book, one word, lowercase secret book to 44. 222. That's 44222. All right, guys, I hope you were inspired by tomorrow's story today, and I will catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Block. For more free podcasts, articles, and videos, go to themichaelblanc.com. There, you can also download the free ebook, The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your First Apartment Building. Till next time.